Hello, I'm Neil Quigley, and welcome to the latest episode of my podcast. This week, a strange combination of a gig I went to in Somerset, giving cash away on the streets, the best tribute acts I've ever worked with, and which Britain's Got Talent judge I seem to agree with the most. All coming up this week. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Neil Quigley. Once when I was working in Somerset, I got to go to a great gig where two bands whose music is very similar but yet very different, collided and actually played on the same bill. And it kind of worked really nicely. The concert was this. It was Chaz and Dave and the Wurzels. Being a Tottenham Hotspur fan, I have been aware and been a massive fan of Chaz and Dave for years. My dad had a Chaz and Dave's Greatest Hits album on vinyl when I was a kid, which I did used to play a lot, so I know all of their big, well-known songs. And of course, working in Somerset for five years, you cannot help but cross paths with the Wurzels. I had seen Chaz and Dave perform live a few times before, and I've seen the Wurzels perform a few times live as well. But to have them play both live on the same night in the same venue was an intriguing prospect. They have both had hits in the charts, but let's be honest, Chaz and Dave are definitely the more successful band, but they are also very nice and very generous fellas. So as it was the Wurzels' turf, so to speak, they let the Wurzels headline and Chaz and Dave went on first. I was lucky enough once to interview Chaz Hodges before another gig I went and watched him in. He is amazing. He's a fascinating guy. Really lovely, really knowledgeable, really switched on, really loves his music. And the thing is, of course, in Chaz and Dave, we all know Chaz as the one on the piano. But in his early days as a musician, he wasn't on the piano. He used to play the bass and the guitar. And in his younger years, he ended up in a band touring the UK with Jerry Lee Lewis. And it was off stage during the downtime that Jerry Lee Lewis basically taught Chaz Hodges how to play the piano and started firing his interest in that instrument. Bearing in mind Chaz and Dave is basically the piano, the bass and the drums. They do make and produce an amazing fully rounded sound and the drumming on some of their tracks is fantastic. Mickey Burt, who is the original drummer in Chaz and Dave, is just fantastic. He's probably one of the best drummers of his generation. Absolutely amazing some of the drum stuff on those songs. And the Wurzels are the Wurzels. Their cover versions of well-known songs, mostly from the 70s and 80s, are absolutely brilliant and they are genius. There's some very clever, very funny lyrics and the musicianship of the band is spot on. They are really, really good. It was a great night at the Westlands Leisure Complex in Yeovil where I went and saw these two bands perform. As I said, Chaz and Dave were on first, so they came out, did all their big hits, the crowd going mad, everyone singing along, having a fantastic time. They really do create such a great, fun and good atmosphere. You cannot help but smile and join in and enjoy yourself. Then there was an interval, so the locals took their chance to get a few more pints of cider in. If you are watching the Wurzels, you have to drink cider. It's kind of the law down there. Wurzels came out second half and absolutely nailed it. They were fantastic. All their big songs performed absolutely perfectly and a very willing and accepting crowd who knew every single word to every single song and they were not scared to sing along and join in. It was a great night watching two very similar yet very different bands. Neil Quigley. When I first joined I've Left Them in Yeovil, the radio station was still quite new. It only been going about six months. They were trying to make a bit of an impact in the area. They were the new radio station, the new guys, so therefore they had to try and get listeners from other already existing radio stations, some of which had been there for years and years. 
It was the first time Yeovil had had its own commercial radio station, so that was the big selling point. But for many years, Yeovil had been served by a big commercial station based in Taunton. And of course, BBC Somerset was well listened to in the area as well. As you could imagine, to try and get new listeners, there was lots of advertising, lots of promotions and a lot of marketing and competitions to try and get people listening and give something back and reward the people who had decided to use us as their first and primary radio station. One of my first jobs as an Ivel FM presenter was to go out and help with this promotion. The promotion was called Have You Made The Big Switch? And the idea was the presenters would go out onto the streets of various places throughout Somerset and Dorset to where we broadcast to, to randomly ask people on the street if they made the big switch, if they knew what that meant and said yes, they would win themselves £20 in cash there and then. If, however, on their person at that time, they had already written down I've made the big switch to Ivel FM and they could produce this bit of paper, we would give them £50 there and then on the spot. It was my turn to do some recordings and go out and give away some cash, so I headed off to Sherbourne with my money and with my recording device. As it was sort of a covert operation, I obviously couldn't go out dressed in Ivel FM clothing, as that may give the game away a little bit. So I had to kind of go incognito, which is fine from that point of view. But the good thing about if you are wearing radio station branding, when you go and approach somebody in the street with a microphone, they generally have got an idea of where you're from and what you're doing. If you're just dressed normally and you're wandering around with a microphone, it does tend to unnerve people a little bit more, I found. I was a little bit worried, a little bit apprehensive as I headed down one of the streets, microphone in hand, just trying to decide who I was going to randomly stop and ask the big question to. To be fair, I needn't have worried. I should have had more faith in how well the radio station was already doing. The first person I randomly stopped and asked if they'd made the big switch, said yes straight away and won themselves the money. Had a lovely chat to them. They were very nice, very happy, very grateful and very supportive and complimentary about the radio station. So that was all good. And to balance things up, the next person I did ask had no idea what I was talking about and could not wait to get away from me. But not to be deterred, as I still had some money in my pocket to give away and I still had to get a quota of recordings back because what we were doing, we were playing all the successful recordings of people winning money out on the radio station to encourage others to get involved and, you know, to show we're happy to support the local area and give people free cash in the street if they can say the right things to us. I must confess, I did think it very unlikely, though, that anyone would wander around all the time with a bit of paper with written on it I've made the big switch to Ivel FM just in case they were randomly stopped somewhere by a radio presenter with a microphone. I thought that was kind of an impossibility. Who would do that? Well, it would appear I was completely wrong. The next person I stopped asked them the question, have you made the big switch? Yes, came the answer. Then I asked, so have you got anywhere on your person it written down that you've made the big switch? person goes straight into their inside pocket, pulls out a bit of paper with the exact and correct wording on. Well done, sir. You've just won yourself £50 in cash for making the big switch to Ivel FM. It was a great competition, great fun as well. Had lots of fun, actually, on the street, just randomly talking to strangers and giving them cash. Made me feel very good, very special about myself. It was good fun, actually. Neil Quigley. Over the years, I've been lucky enough to work with and to see quite a few good tribute acts. 
I remember I did a gig once with a mate of mine at Kempton Racecourse. We were hired for some big birthday party. We were doing the disco, me and my mate, and they had a couple of big tribute acts to come on and perform, who were each doing 45 minutes each. As it turns out, both of these acts had actually in the past each been a winner of Stars In Their Eyes on ITV. The first act had won by being Dame Shirley Bassey. And from the moment she arrived, she looked the part, she sounded like her. Even before she got into costume, and even before we'd sound checked, she just seemed like Dame Shirley Bassey. She had, as you'd imagine, an amazing voice. In fact, she'd actually ended up doing a dance record, which they used the sample of Diamonds Are Forever on. But it wasn't Shirley Bassey's version, it was her version of Diamonds Are Forever they used in this dance remix, and it sounded fantastic. She was lovely, very, very nice, very easy to work with and was wonderful. The other tribute act on that night, who had also won Stars In Their Eyes, he was a guy who was Tom Jones. When he turned up to meet us and to do soundcheck, I will be honest, if you'd have said to me, who does this bloke do? He's a tribute act, who is he? I would have had absolutely no idea. From his speaking voice to the way he looked, I could not have told you who he was going to be. Yet, as soon as he started the sound check, his voice changed. He sounded exactly like Tom Jones. Had the cough, the gravelly voice, absolutely everything, but he still looked nothing like Tom Jones. We're now into the party. We're doing our bit of the disco. We're warming the crowd up. We bring Shirley Bassey on. She is brilliant. And I know, and my mate know, we've got Tom Jones next. Now, we know... He's very good, because we heard him in soundcheck. He can sing Tom Jones. We also know, last time we saw him, he looked absolutely nothing like Tom Jones. I would have loved to have seen the look on our faces when we introduced him and he came out into view out of the dressing room and we saw him for the first time in costume. That must have been some makeover. He only had an hour or so to get ready. I don't know what he did in that time, but when he came out, he looked 150% more like Tom Jones than he did when we saw him earlier. I can only presume he had the entire Stars In Their Eyes makeup team with him hiding out back to get him looking exactly like that. He was great too, though, an absolutely lovely fella. They were both great people to work with and did a fantastic job. It was a really good night. I remember one night as well working with a Shania Twain tribute at a gig over in Bicester. She was really good as well. She was very good, did all of Shania's big hits and uh, had all the outfits, shall we say, as well, which, I've got to be honest, kept my attention for her entire set. I mentioned him before, but I did work with Navi a few times when I was down in Somerset. He is a Michael Jackson tribute, and he is just amazing. He sings like Jacko, he walks like him, he even talks like him, and he's had plastic surgery to look like him. It's uncanny and it's scary. In fact, Navi is now doing a theatre tour nowadays, impersonating his hero all around the country. When talking about tribute acts, I have to mention my mate Alvin Printwhistle. He is an excellent Elvis impersonator. He's been doing it for years and years and years. I have seen his show many times and his show comes in many different sizes and many different levels. I've seen him do it by himself in pubs and restaurants. It's absolutely brilliant and for a time he put together a full backing band and was doing replica Elvis style Vegas shows in theatres up and down the country and it was a brilliant show had such good musicians more or less a full orchestra behind him and recreating all those songs from the vegas 
era and he does have a brilliant voice he's a really good singer and performer a very funny and very lovely guy he gigs a lot he's always out gigging so if you get chance and fancy a good fun night seeing a top class entertainer Alvin Printwhistle is his name. Keep your eyes out for him and do go along and see him and enjoy one of his gigs if you ever get the chance. Neil Quigley. This August, I'm really looking forward to going up to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival for the very first time for a weekend. As a massive fan of comedy and someone who's done some stand-up myself, I am looking forward to seeing as many acts as I possibly can while I'm up there. It's going to be great to experience it all. I really can't wait to get me and you in the mood for Edinburgh this year. Let's hear from a Scottish comedian who actually started at a very young age his comedy career in Edinburgh. Here's what happened when I spoke to Daniel Sloss before he played a gig in Buckinghamshire a few years ago. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well, how are you? Yeah, really, really good, thanks. First of all, what got you started in comedy? How did you sort of fall into it, get into it? What was the thing that made you want to do that? Oh, I had dreadful exam results and just sort of realised that I wasn't as intellectual as I had previously believed. I've never been sort of patient or anything. And I, sort of, I knew I'd never be able to sort of sit down in an office job type thing and I'd always been a huge fan of stand-up so I just thought at one point, you know what, let's give that a go. How did you actually get started at such a young age? I started writing when I was 15, 16. I just sort of wanted to give it a go to sort of try it just to see how things went really and then, uh, and then I just sort of signed myself up to one of the gigs at the Stand Comedy Club in Edinburgh. They sort of gave me a date and once it was in the diary there was no avoiding it. It was definitely going to happen so you're just staring down the barrel of a shotgun hoping that they'll be fired. What advice would you give to anyone who wanted to try stand-up comedy? What would you say to them? I'd do it. Like, my one bit of advice, book yourself in a gig just because that way you can't not do it. I mean, lots of people say, oh, I've been writing for a while, I've been doing this, I've been doing that. You're not doing anything until you've put a deadline in. You can write and write and write and write but until you've got sometime where you are actually going to have to go up on stage, you can just pretend in the back of your head that you're going to do it and um, that really really gives you a kick up the butt just to sort of really get your head in the game and do it the tour this time is called joker yeah is there a sort of particular theme to it or is it just sort of you talking about your life what what can we expect from the show milton Keynes? um it's not going to change your life um it's not going to make you a better person i mean uh, there's all these sort of shows and things which sort of uh, promise this underlying message this sort of way to improve yourself i'm 21 years old what am i going to teach you about life that you don't already know it's not my job to make you think I'm just there to make you laugh I mean, it's a good sort of fun hour I'm, I'm really enjoying it doing it but it's 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 not going to change your life it's just going to make you laugh a fair bit hopefully What are the best and worst things about your job then? The best thing about it is the fact that it's, uh, it's the best job in the world it's like I feel, I feel like I'm lying when I say it's a job. All I do is go on stage and sort of make people laugh. Um, it's it's great fun and uh, it's, it's just ridiculous that I get paid to do this. The worst thing, I, I, I don't know. Normally people would sort of say hecklers, but um, I don't get heckled that much. I think that's because I look young and people assume if they heckle me, I'll cry. I'd say if anything, uh, travelling. I mean, it's, it's good going to all the places, but, you know, seven hours in the car just sort of and then every single day sort of yeah, gets on your nerve. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Really good to talk to you. Daniel Sloss, who is absolutely brilliant. I saw him on Comedy Central's Roast Battle a couple of months ago. He was absolutely hilarious and still so young. I mean, that interview now was five, six years ago, but he's still not even in his 30s and he's been doing comedy professionally since he was about 17. Top fella. I'm not sure if he is in Edinburgh this summer. If he is, I will definitely try and catch his show. Neil Quigley. On the second series of Big Brother, there was a gentleman on there from Oxfordshire called Stuart Hoskin who he went out quite early but he was quite memorable in the house he had a big personality he was 
talked about a lot in the papers. It was voted out fairly early. I think it was a little bit unlucky, to be fair. The way it was angled, he was kind of made a bit of a scapegoat, I think, early on for certain things that weren't necessarily his fault. Anyway, at the time, I was working at Mix 96 in Ellsbury. When he got out of the Big Brother house and Big Brother had finished, he ended up getting a weekly radio show on a Sunday for a couple of hours at that radio station. And initially... I ended up producing it. So I was producing this show for, I think I produced it for about the first two or three weeks to get it up and running. In that time, there was a guy from Ellsbury who was on Blind Date who we actually managed to get in on the show to talk to. I think he's still the only person who's ever been on a TV dating show that I met. I do remember after the show, it was all very showbiz and rock and roll because me, him and Stuart all went for a drink in the pub after. I do randomly bump into Stuart from time to time over the years and a couple of years ago uh, a mate of mine and me went along to a birthday party he was throwing in Oxfordshire which was brilliant. He had Rocky Oki there who are the band who basically let you grow up and sing with them. They can play a ridiculously big number of songs. You could pick which song you want to sing and go up and sing with a band. Karaoke with a band Rocky Oki. They were fantastic. The party was brilliant. I hadn't actually seen him since the party. Then randomly, I was getting off the train in London the other week and we actually both met at the door. So it was really nice. Managed to have a quick catch up, a quick chat with each other as we were heading through the barriers at Marlebone Station. Nice to catch up with him. He's still nice and busy, still doing lots of various bits and pieces and having lots of fun. Neil Quigley. We've just seen another series of Britain's Got Talent come to an end. Well done to Lost Voice Guy, who was this year's winner. I thought... He was brilliant. He's very funny, very clever, very good. Well done to to Declan Donnelly, who hosted the entire thing by himself. Can't be easy. He's used to hosting with his mate, Ant McPartland, of course. That's not an option at the moment. Deck had to take it on all by himself, and he did an absolutely amazing job. I mean, those song and dance routines that he started putting in at the top of the show, they were fantastic. Some of those were actually the best acts of the entire night, I think. That's how good they were, and I thought he was fantastic. That said, if Ant doesn't feel he's quite ready and well enough to go to the Australian jungle, and they think that maybe Deck needs someone else to host, I'm a celebrity with, I am the world's biggest I'm a Celebrity fan. I've watched every single episode of every single series. I know it back to front. What I'm saying is, if you need a co-host, you know where to come. I am your man for that. The one thing that does worry me and concern me about watching Britain's Got Talent at the moment, and it has done for some years now, rather annoyingly, Everybody always thinks that Simon Cowell is too harsh, he's too unfair, he's too hard to please, and to a degree, I do see that. And it can be a bit grumpy and a bit weird and a bit awkward sometimes with some of the acts. But my issue, and the worrying thing for me is, I seem to agree with Simon Cowell more and more. More times than not, out of all the judges, I'll actually agree more with what Simon Cowell says than what anyone else says. And I actually think I'm quite a nice, upbeat, generous, positive person. But he does just sum up those acts very well sometimes. And it's not always great news. And sometimes it is a bit brutally honest. But if I'm honest, though I may not necessarily say those things out loud that he says, I'm often thinking them about the acts. So yeah, he is probably the judge 
that I share the most opinions with, which is a scary thing to admit. Although I will say, I do get comedy and I do get jokes a lot better than he does. Every single joke when there's a comedian on, Amanda Holden pretty much has to explain it to him, otherwise he seems not to get it. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And that is it for the series. That is the last podcast in the current series. Thank you for listening. If you have missed any, please feel free to go back and listen to any that you have missed. The podcast will return after a summer break. Have fun, take care, be nice to each other, have lots of fun, and I'll catch you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.